All right. We are in magical Dunland, yo. All right, let's see. Let me post this real quick. All right, we're golden. All right, we're good. What's up, everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn, and we're on episode 67 of Goals and Updates. All right, 67, man. We're getting close to that 100, that 100th episode, man. We're getting close. Now, I'm coming to you guys, um, obviously, live, because the only way to do it nowadays is to go live. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to update you. There's a couple of things that uh, is happened where I can update you guys with my personal life. And then we're going to go into two topics. The first topic is going to be every day you sell yourself. And the second topic is going to be what is trust. All right. And then we'll go into done deal investments. And then from there, uh, we'll end it. So real quick, I'm going to update you guys on, on what I did so far in like the last couple of days. So um, which, by the way, I had to because if you guys haven't seen the, the last episode, 66, I believe, episode 66, that one was with uh, Fabrizio and a kid named Brian. I forgot Brian's last name, but I'm—I actually knew Brian from high school. So the, a lot of the people you'll probably see on the on the goals and updates show are people that um either I worked with in the past, or most most of them are probably going to be people that I went to high school with. Because I'm trying to reconnect with um old people from high school. All the connections that I still have throughout um growing up as like a kid. But at the same time, like trying to reunite and then see what they're doing with their lives. Because Fabrizio, for a, a while, like I, I, you know, I'd hit him up once in a while. But me and Fabrizio, um, we, we didn't hang out all the time. So it, it's really nice to, to be able to just to chill with him on the podcast. And, and he, he's a pretty cool kid or guy. I don't like using the word kid. But he's a cool guy where he'll just he'll talk to you about anything. So he's like almost like an open book. So it's pretty sick. And you don't see that. It's pretty rare to see that nowadays. Most people are very closed and they they, uh, they want their privacy more. So anyways, and Brian was someone that I, um, I don't think I had any class with Brian, but we ended up, uh, I'd see him all the time around the hallways at uh, Terravella. What's up, Sterling? What's up, Ashmouth? And uh, so that was pretty interesting too. How um, And that, that wasn't planned, by the way. Brian was just over for um, Fabrizio's house at the time where we were going to go and film at his house. And he just ended up tagging in. So it was pretty cool to have like someone that I had, you know, I didn't, I didn't know much about. And we just put him on the podcast or the live stream, which was pretty interesting. We just threw him on. We we're like, hey, like, come and join us, yo. Like, be in the middle and we'll, and we'll just put you on here and we'll just, we'll try to vibe it out. So none of that was planned, by the way. That's why, that's why it's really interesting how this show works out because everything's live. Uh, there's no editing. There's no cutting. Like, everything is filmed live and you just have to go with the flow. Um, and for anyone that didn't see it, me, Fabrizio, and Brian rapped on the last episode of 66. Now, there's a little bit of cursing, I, I will warn you. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think I cursed that much, but uh, I don't, for some reason, they cursed a lot. But it's, I guess because it's rapping, all right? So I don't warn you, warn you ahead of time because some people hate that. But, I mean, it's just, it is what it is, man. It's live. I can't, I can't cut things out. But anyways, um, so real quick. So I did a speech the other day. Uh, we're on Wednesday, right? Yeah. So yesterday was Tuesday. I went to Toastmasters and I did a speech called Sell to Survive. All right. And I didn't, I didn't practice it. I didn't write it out. The first speech I ever did at Toastmasters, I wrote it out paragraph, like word for word. And I tried to basically like memorize the speech and then present it. And what ended up happening was I talked to the president and um, I don't, I think she, I think she was there, and she, and she heard me do the speech, 
And it was it, it turned out really well because obviously I practiced it and I actually physically wrote out what I wanted to say and what to do. I messed up a little bit here and there. Like I lost my place in the speech and then I had to like come up on the spot and just start like talking about other things within the speech that I didn't write down, by the way. Um, so the, the funny thing was uh, she told me, she's like, start winging your speeches. And at first I was like, wing the speech. Like the whole point of presenting the speech is I have to... I have to organize the speech and how I want it to work out and then go up. And she was like, what you want to try to do is write three bullet points, the main points of your speech, and then put like little, um, little bullet points under each, each uh, topic that you're going to talk about within that speech off the main topic. And she's like, the reason you do that is because you'll sound more, um, you'll sound like you're not scripted. Like you didn't write it. It'll just naturally start flowing. And most of the stuff you're talking about anyways is, uh, based on your own experience. So you should be able to remember things if you put little uh, little notes into it and then you'll be able to present it and it'll sound better because it's not scripted out. It doesn't sound scripted. So I was like, all right, I get... So that's what I did the other night. I, I literally wrote the bullet points and everything that I was going to speak on um, like the day before. Uh, like basically most of it the day before the little... Like how I wanted to present the little the bullet points. And then the next day right before the speech, I did it like on a 15-minute lunch break or 15 minute break, I was just writing out the rest of the little bullet points before I went up and presented. All right. So I completely what like wung it like I or wing it or whatever you want to call it completely just went for it. Um, and it went pretty well. They gave me some like a lot of people like the speech. I was actually really disappointed because I thought I was going to win because at the end they judged. Uh, we had two speakers and I was I was against the president of the club. But I was like, I definitely gave a better speech than the president. And I was like really bummed that I didn't win. Cause I was like, I was like, they're calling like the names like, all right. And the best speech goes to, and I'm like, I'm going to get it. I'm waiting for my name to be called. And they go Melanie. And I'm like, wow, yo rigged. <laughs> uh, it's, it's probably not rigged, but you know, it's just me being probably like self-confidence when I gave the speech, but I, I really thought I was going to win it. And like, that's my big goal is to win that, that ribbon. They give you a ribbon that says like best speaker and they give you a certificate. So when I get that certificate, I'm going to boast it. I'm going to, I'm going to boast myself a little bit on uh, on the beginning of like a, a goals and updates and be like, Hey guys, I got it. <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a little while. Cause the next speech I'm going to do, I'm st I got to think of a topic to do. Cause I try to do something that's motivational and the topic that we're going to get into today, which is every, every day you sell yourself is what I was talking about in this speech. Like, cause every day you do sell yourself, whether you can consider yourself a salesperson or not, you're selling yourself every single day. You just don't think of it in that way. And, and when we get to that topic, you'll understand exactly what I mean. But, um, so I did that speech. I didn't win, but everyone was like, Hey man, that was like your, that was your third or second real speech. And like, you killed it. Like everything was on point. The only thing you're like is like you kind of stayed at the same voice tone and you didn't really like you didn't really hype us. You kind of just kind of stayed at the same um, the same tone. And then what's up, Jimmy? And then uh, so he, he they're like you stayed at the same tone and when you probably should have got more hyped when you're doing your speech, you didn't really do that. And I think the other thing they told me, which was like um, I had a watch on like I have a watch on now. But like the watch I had on was a little loose, so I like when it mo when it shifted, it bothered me. So I'd go to like move the the um the watch back, and then the one guy that was my evaluator was like, "Oh, it looked like you were like wishy washing with like your hands because you were nervous." And I was like, 
it's not what it was, yo. <laughs> but all right. <laughs> but it, I think it's because it was better that he caught me on that than it was like, that just means he didn't really have a lot to say against my speech. Like, and he gave me like an overall, like a, like an eight out of 10 on the speech. Then that's good guys. Like that's me winging it completely. Like I didn't have it all figured out in my head. I was just like, all right, here's the bullet point And I'm just going to start rolling with it. And I started off in the beginning. Good. I messed up. I didn't do an intro. I messed up hard. Someone brought that to my attention. They're like, you didn't introduce yourself. And I think it's because I got caught up. Um, cause I started off by saying, um, I re I rose my hand and I'm like, Hey guys, who in this room has ever sold anything in their life? And only like four people out of the 10 people rose their hand. And I was just like, you guys are liars. We've all sold something. <laughs> I was like, everyone's hand should be up. And then I went into the speech and I should have introduced myself right there. I should have been, I should have been like, my name's Tyler Dunn or no, you're supposed to do, um, good evening, fellow Toastmasters and most welcome guests. My name is Tyler Dunn and I'm going to be talking about why it's so important to sell sell to survive and that's how i should have, i should have done the intro i messed up um but but anyways i i was just i was shocked i didn't win i was like i want to win so bad i thought i, I thought i was gonna win and i didn't win <laughs> and um i, I was kind of bummed but the the cool thing is um i sold the people the funny thing is like my whole entire speech was selling and when we were in the parking lot i bonded more with the one guy because he was giving me all the feedback so i ended up bonding with him right and then when we were going out to the parking lot, there's a couple of people that are new because we always get new um, guests that are trying to they're trying to basically sign them up for uh, a member, like for the membership of it. And uh, and the lady was like, I was sold today. And I was like, yeah, probably because of my speech. <laughs> so like it gave me even though I didn't walk away with what I wanted, it still gave me the boost of like, all right, I did it. Right. I said I was going to come here and do it. I did it. Um, and I was nervous, guys. Like I'm not going to lie to you. I was nervous talking about this because. Uh, there's a lot of people in there that sell and like they're going to look and they're looking at this 23 year old kid and they're like, okay. But the funny thing was like most of the people that were in there that were salespeople agreed with me 110%, which is the funniest part. Like I had the salespeople going and those are the ones that gave me the best feedback. Cause they're like, yeah, yo, you're on point. Like keep going. Right. Um, the people that didn't, didn't consider them salespeople are probably like, eh, but I think I persuaded a lot of people. But, um, so that was that, um, I think that's really the only updates I have for myself was just that speech. The job's going, the job's going a lot better. I'm, I'm running through it. I had a really tough one today. Like, um, they have these things called medical emergencies and you gotta, there's a, there's a whole list of service providers and you got to call down each one and tell them I have a medical emergency. I need you to go out within the next 48 hours. And almost every single person says I can't do it within 48 hours. It's going to be four or five days. So you have to keep going down this list of um, service providers and call them and just and pitch them. Like you're trying to pitch all these service providers until you finally get one that can do it within the next 48 hours, the next two days. And it's crazy. Um, and and it's it just, it's, it's, it's a crazy process. But, uh, and then there's obviously more to it that you're not going to understand if I explain it, but cause it's with the software, but I, I learned that and I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get way better. I'm starting to look at things and be like, all right, this is definitely going to be this. This is definitely going to be that. Uh, it's coming together. I just really got to work on my productive level, um, productivity level. And um, it's going to come with time. Like, it's just, it's hard, man. That's the hardest part I struggle with is getting six emails done within an hour, which doesn't sound like a lot. But there's a lot of things in between that you're trying to get that email done. You're sending it to like seven different other things or people, departments, different items that you're trying to get done within that time. 
Um, but all right, that's that's the updates. We're gonna get into one of the coolest topics right now, which um, I'm gonna persuade you. All right, anyone that's watching, I'm gonna persuade you that every day you sell yourself. All right, and this is like the speech that I basically did. The same exact. I'm not gonna give you the speech, obviously, but I'm gonna give you the same examples I gave in that speech. So if you don't consider yourself a salesperson, I guarantee you have sold yourself at one point in time. Okay. And you need to sell to survive, right? You have to sell to survive. That was, that was the title of the speech. And the reason is if you go right, right out of call or um, right out of high school, right? When you went to college, what did you have to do? You had to send in an application to college, right? Cause you can't just go and say, here's my money. I'm going to go to your college now. You have to send applications to college. That means you have to meet their qualifications and you have to sell them that you meet the qualifications for that college. So you're selling yourself to that college to get accepted and then pay for your tuition. So you just, you know, so for instance, Ashma joined, Ashma goes to, um, she goes up to college in Gainesville, the Gators, right? She had to sell herself to get in there. She couldn't just walk into the school and say, here's my money. She had to sell herself by sending in an application. And then once she got accepted, she basically sold herself to the college. And now she can go in and go to, um, you know, into Gainesville and go to that college with the Gators. The other thing that you got to keep in mind is if you're driving a car, which 99% of the people that probably joined this are driving a car, you didn't just get the car. You had to sell yourself to a dealership to get that car, right? And you had to go to a, to a certain extent because if you want low interest rates, you have to prove to that dealership that you can make the car payments on time. You have a good credit score, right? Because if you have a really terrible credit score, uh, score when they pull it up, they're going to they're gonna rip you off on interest. You're going to get charged like 25% on interest rather than like 12% or 13%, right? Um, or maybe even lower depending on the dealership that you're at and, and where you're, you know, where, or where you're getting the loan to finance the car or however you're doing it, but there's always interest, right? So you got to sell yourself to get that car at the price that you want and the luxury of like whatever kind of, you know, the upgrades and to get it at a certain price plus the low interest. And you have to prove to them without a doubt that you can afford to pay for the car right? That you, you can make the payments. Same thing with the house, right? So when you get a little bit older and you're like, I really want to go in and either rent or go to a bank. Cause most of the time when you go and get a mortgage, you have to go to the bank. You got to sell yourself to the bank to get the mortgage payment, right? To get the mortgage, the loan to buy the house, right? So you got to sell yourself to the bank and tell them like, Hey, I have this, how much money I make. Here's my income statements. I can definitely afford X, Y, and Z, and I can make these payments on these dates, right? You're selling yourself to that company or that bank or whoever is giving you the loan for the, the, the mortgage of that home, right? Same thing if you're renting. When I went, because I've rented, so I can tell you the process of it. Um, I've never obviously financed a, a home or got a mortgage, but I've rented properties before. And um, what happens is you have to show that you have like three times the rent so that way they can believe that you can afford to pay for the um, the payments every single month, right? The, the leasing agreement payments. So you have to show three times 
the, the, the one payment, which is hard because most people don't make that. Right. So that's, that, that one was kind of rough. But um, what they did was since I shared the apartment with the, with a different person, they let us combine the income. They, um, they let us put like a cosigner on and that person could then put his income into it too. So it, that there's little shortcuts around it, but we had to sell ourselves to that, that lease, that lease agreement place and basically sell ourselves through credit, right. To show them that we had good credit scores, that we had enough money to pay for the rent, um, to show them like, we're not crappy people that are going to come here and trash the whole entire apartment after we leave, after the year contract is up. Right. So we had to sell ourselves to the person 110%. Um, every single day you're saying, if you got a job right now, someone's working, right? Someone's working. You had to sell yourself to get that job, right? You don't just get a job. You got to sell yourself. So the people that complain, there's no jobs out there. They just haven't, they haven't learned how to sell themselves or they haven't learned. Um, cause some of the, some of the time you just feel like you're not qualified and, uh, which is a big thing if you're going for like a, a major career, let's say like marketing is a big one. Like I, I read a thing for marketing to get, um, like 30, I think it was like a $40,000 position and you had to be with a company for like seven years, which is, which is nuts. You had to be with like a company or you had to have work experience in the field for like seven years. That's what kills a lot of people's experience. But, um, but when I went and got my job, I completely sold myself to the company and that's how I got the position. I completely sold myself to that company. That's why that's how I'm working right now at a, you know, full-time position. Most people, most people are really terrible at first impressions, first impressions still count as selling yourself, right? So before you even get the interview at a job, you got to completely sell yourself without even meeting the person, right? That's even, that's even mind busting crazy, right? Like that's, that's insane. You got to do a cover letter, a resume, and people suck at that. If you can get good at a cover letter and a resume, you'll, you'll win every single time I go in and getting a job. Cause I'm telling you every single time I've gone on an interview, they're like, yo, you don't, you don't understand how good your resume and cover letter were that like we were looking for the exact same cover letter and, um, and resume as yours, because everyone else is, is, a, is weak. It's weak. It doesn't have, um, the spellings. I, I, they all complain about spelling. I never understood spelling. It's one click of a button and like you have spell check at the fin at your fingertips. Um, but like, they're like, they can't, like a lot of people can't form sentence properly. And that's, that one's pretty easy too. just get Grammarly. Like Grammarly does all that stuff for you. The run on sentences and stuff like that. Um, but most of it I think is qualifications. Cause I think a lot of people don't like try hard enough to go and get like more things to put on the resume. And I think that's a big thing. So the experience is probably definitely a big killer, but, um, then, then you get the job interview, right? And then you're completely selling yourself on that job interview, like 110% selling yourself that job interview. Cause one little thing you did wrong. And, um, the one person that's interviewing doesn't like it. You're probably not going to get hired. So you got to adapt to the person that's in front of you. You can't, you're not adapting for yourself. Like you're adapting to that person that's interviewing you. So you got to sell yourself to that person. Um, but those are the key ones that I use dealer. I, I said, buying a car, buying a house, um, college. Cause everyone's got attempted to go to college at one point and knows the process of going to college. Um, job interview, getting a job. Cause everyone has a job. Everyone's employed, right? Or at least 90% of people are employed and, um, or at least attempted to go get a job before. So they know the process. Uh, what else? 
that's basically like everything. You're selling yourself on your friends, right? I mean, you, it, it goes on and on and on. You just, I'm telling you, you just don't think about it. And the reason I know you're not thinking about it is because I didn't think about it until I read the book by Grant Cardone called Sell or Be Sold. All right, and, and if, you want, if you want to look it up, it's called Sell or Be Sold, Grant Cardone. And it completely changed my perspective on selling because I consider myself, I've, I'm like, I've never sold before in my whole entire life. And then I'm like, wait a second, I have sold every single day. I've sold, I've sold my parents on decisions to persuade them to do something for myself, right? Or I've persuaded them to go down a different route. Um, I've convinced people that are really close to me, my friends, to trust me enough to, 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 you know, you're selling yourself on trust at that point with friends and family as well. Like you're selling them on trust because if you break, if you break ties with them or you go against them, they're not going to trust you and they're not going to go with you. Right? So you're selling yourself almost every single day. But like I said, you're not thinking about it. You're not going, Oh, I'm selling right now, but you are right. If you're working at a job and there's a customer, you're selling yourself to that customer for good customer service or you're selling them to make another purchase. I mean, it's every single day, literally. <laughs> every, every single moment of your, of like, almost like every single moment of the day, like you're selling. Um, so that's something to keep in mind when people, whenever you, like, when people are like, I've never sold anything before, hit them with that one. Hit them with that one, because that one's a big slap in the face, and people don't realize it, I'm telling you. Um, the other thing that's pretty interesting, too, is, uh, like, the, the title of seller survive or sell to survive. Cause it's, that's what you have to do. Like if you don't sell, like you're not, you're not, you're not going to survive, especially in the economy. Um, especially in, in life in the 21st century, it's all money based. It's an economy based off of uh, finance and money. So if you can't learn how to sell, you can't get ahead of your bills. You can't get ahead of debt. You can't, you can't sell and convince people on your ideas and beliefs and certain elements in your life excuse me, um, you're not going to be able, you're not going to succeed at all, at all. Like, it's impossible. You can't succeed without selling. Um, the other thing too, to keep in mind, this is a cool, this is a cool theory that people, if, if you like history and stuff, um, I thought about this after I was, you know, writing this speech or like at least the subjects of it. And I was like, you know, it's kind of interesting because nowadays we just substitute money, right? For selling. So, cause all, all selling is, I'll give you the definition real quick. All selling really is, is you're trading something that's worth value. You're building up value in something and you're trading it for something else that you think has more value than what you're trading, right? So for instance, when you bought your iPhone and let's say the iPhone, cause now the iPhone's like almost at a thousand, I think it's like a thousand bucks. If you get the fancy one, probably close to 800 if you get the lowest grade one. So people that bought that iPhone thought $800 wasn't that much money for, um, Basically, for the you know, like the iPhone was worth more than the 800 bucks. They gave them, they gave Apple 800 bucks for the iPhone, right? So there was more value in the phone than there was in 800 bucks. That's the idea of selling. You're just trading something for value that you believe has more value, and the other person believes has more value. So they're willing to trade something for that value. That's all it is. But the concept that I was going to give you, um, I had to give you the definition for this to make sense, but. I thought about the old Western times or like the old civilization when um, people had to travel over on ships and people, you know, they didn't have like stores like we had now or even back in the old Western kind of 
kind of times where they had little storefronts, like little small businesses, but they didn't really trade money. They trade, they traded goods, right? They traded like, let's say you had gold. They traded gold. That was like a good, good amount of currency for like, um, for water or for, um, coal or some type of resource that they needed for camp. Right. So like back then that was just trading goods. We just, we substituted really, we still trade goods obviously, but we substituted trading a good for a good with currency, with money, right? The money is just the good. Everyone wants the, the capital or the money to get something else that they want. Some other good or services that they want. That's all, that's all the only difference is. Um, so it was kind of like interesting when I was thinking about it. Cause I'm like, wow, like it's kind of interesting. Cause literally like now you don't really have to sell too much to kind of make it as long as you get a job Well, you had to sell yourself to get the job. But the point that I'm trying to make is you don't have to be that great of a salesperson to make it now. Just think of it back in the old days where they literally had to sell to survive, right? They literally had to sell to survive. I mean, you still have to do now, but back then it was like five times harder because you had to convince other people that you had more worth and in, in goods on you to get something that you really need, like food, water, um, something that was like a resource that you needed, maybe like timber to build like a little hut, you know? So, um, a spear, some type of, uh, materials to build weapons to then go hunt and, and be able to feed the village or feed your, your group and family. Right. So that, that's the interesting part that I came to, um, because I, like, I'm constantly thinking outside the box. So that, that's kind of just what came to my mind was like, damn, like it must've been intense because a lot of people don't consider themselves salespeople. Now think about it like 500 years back, right. Or like 400 years back or something where it was like, uh, um, uh, damn civilization. That's the word I was looking for. For some reason I couldn't get uh, civilization where it wasn't built, but, um, but that's to sell. So that, that one is every day you sell yourself. I'm going to go into the next one, which is uh, what is trust. And this one's kind of, the reason I picked this one, what is trust is because I feel like a lot of people don't build trust with other people. They tend to sabotage it. And uh, it's not everyone, obviously. I'm not talking to like everyone. I'm talking about like sometimes people don't, some, sometimes people don't really build like trust with other people. And, um, I'm going to do two different, I'm going to do two types of things that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about like how, like building trust within like family and friends. And then I'm going to talk about like overall trust in like society and people and stuff like that. So the first one I'll go into is, um, is people and like the people that are close to you that either trust you or you trust them. And, um, that, that, that you think always have your back now. Uh, the, I have like some examples I can obviously give you for this one too, which is, um, I'll give you some bad examples and some good examples. So the bad ones, cause you know, just cause you label them your friends doesn't mean that, um, they trust you or that, you know, maybe you don't trust them a hundred percent. I've had incidents where people have sabotaged me before. I'm sure everyone has that probably will join this. Um, at some point in your life, someone will probably backstab you. Right. And it's just, it's just part of life. Uh, not everyone's going to be on the same page and everyone's going to, you know, think about something in this, in a similar, similar way. Um, so it, you know, it's going to happen. And for me, like I had a couple of these incidents where I labeled someone a friend and I trusted them at one point in time. And then slowly over time, I lost the trust. And even though I lost the trust, my mistake was still going back to them. 
which might, you know, might be an issue that you're having. But um, I had one. Um, I don't want to. I'm not going to talk about uh, the one guy Sal because uh, I, you know, I talked about him on a di- different podcast. But the one that I'm going to bring up to you is um, is like relationships, relationships, and I'm talking about like um, like girlfriend boyfriend relationships are a perfect example because at one point in time you guys were madly in love, right? You guys are madly in love, no matter what side you're on, male, female, it it doesn't matter. But at one point in time, you're head over heels for each other, you're in love, and then all of a sudden, then let's say like two years go by, and all of a sudden, you guys hate each other. You hate each other's guts, right? You see sometimes this in marriage, like sometimes people uh, drift apart, and then they hate each other, and they're like, oh, I hate you, and then, you know, it, it happens. But the point that I'm trying to make is like sometimes trust, if it's not kept well, fades. It fades. It moves on to something else. So you got to constantly keep building that trust. That's the point that I wanted to make with the with that point with like the girlfriend and boyfriend relationships and the uh, um and like marriage. Because like you'll see it a lot with marriage because like the people are so close to each other. They're seeing each other every single day. They're going to bed next to each other. That like little things irritate each other. Um and then like you know sometimes that's what leads to like a divorce where like over time they haven't they haven't kept up with the relationship and then it just kind of it, it basically destroys itself off. Um, but anyways, um, so I'm going to give you an example of myself, but it's not going to be with a relationship. It's going to be more with like a friend type relationship. And the person that I was going to refer to is someone that I was friends with for a long time. Started off being friends with him for, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use his name, but started off being friends with him all the way back in, I'm going to say, I want to say like eighth grade because I did police explorers. Now this is going way back. I did police explorers for Coral Springs uh, police department back in, I I believe it was eighth grade or freshman year of high school, which was like, I think it, I think that was like six, yeah, probably like seven, eight, yeah, probably like seven years ago, maybe close to eight years ago. And um, I became friends with this one kid through police explorers. Now you fast forward maybe like three or four years and little things would happen where he would backstab me or like he'd throw me under the bus whenever he got a chance to save himself. All right. And uh, I'm not going to go into detail because it like, it'll be like, I mean, I could write a book on all this stuff that's, that's happened in the last eight years or the eight years of being friends with him basically, or like seven years or whatever. Um, but, um, the whole point is like over time he started doing little things where I noticed where he was trying to save himself in situations where he didn't really have to, right? He didn't really have to throw me under the bus to save himself, but he would do it anyways. And then what he would do is he'd go and talk to each individual in the group. So let's say we had five different people that were all friends within the circle. He would go to each different person and talk smack about each individual that was in the group. So when it came time, when he wasn't, when he wasn't with us and all of us were together, we would all go, hey, did you hear what Matt said about you? Blah, 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 blah. And it would come back around into the circle when he wasn't there. So that was the funniest part was like, you knew he was talking smack about you behind your back when you weren't hanging out with him and he was hanging out with someone else in the group. And like, we all knew this because we would all talk about him. We would all laugh about it. But the weird part was we all accepted it. All right. We all accepted it for like two years straight. And I think the problem was it, it was because I think I think at the time it wasn't that serious. Uh, the stuff that was going on wasn't that serious. It was like little, little, like little things. And like with, with a group of guys, normally you just throw away stuff. You, you normally don't hold in emotion or anger or um, remorse 
kind of thing for someone else, you kind of tend to just let it go and be boys or guys in a sense of like word playing. But so we would just let it go, move on. And then what would happen is over time, it would just get worse. And then that's when like, I think I was the first one to say, you know what, screw this, y'all. I've been through enough of this stuff. I've gone through way worse than this. I'm just going to kick you to the curb. And what ended up happening was once I left the group, um, I left the group and I'm like, hey guys, like you guys can hang out with this kid. I'm not trying to be a part of that anymore. Good luck with whatever you guys are going to do with him. But whenever we're hanging out, I'm not being a part with him. I'm not going to be around him anymore. It's not worth it. And I left. So what happened was he started to get, he got pissed because now I'm hanging out with the same group of people without him. And um, they're like, yeah, we went and did something with Tyler the other day or whatever. And he'd get jealous. So now he's coming back and ripping them. And, and he's exposing all the stuff to those people. All right. So I had no trust in him. I killed the relationship. Everyone else had maybe like a time, like maybe like 2% left to trust. He exposed himself to the person he was. And everyone was like slowly like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. I don't want this in my life. And he killed the trust between those people. And he lost five people in the group. All the people in that group, he lost everyone. What ended up happening was he ended up getting into drugs. He ended up doing a lot of stupid stuff that I heard through other sources. All right. And he basically destroyed it. I don't know what he's doing now. And like, you know, I hope for the best. Like I have no, I don't have any, uh, you know, I don't have any uh, envy for him. Like I said, like I, I forgive everyone. Like everything that's in my past is in my past. I'm not even focused on it anymore. I'm, I'm into the future. Right. Um, I obviously keep, keep the, the, the past in my mind sometimes when I'm going through something towards the future or something in the present where it's, it's a lot. And I'm like, ah, it's really overwhelming. I'll use the past to help me get through the future and the present. Because I'm like, if I got through this, I can get through anything. That's the difference, but I don't dwell on the past. But, um, the point that I was trying to make was he basically killed off all the trust within that group. And then what, what happens, what tends to happen is then like, once he lost everyone, I think he got, you know, he went into depression. He couldn't figure stuff out. And that's when he got caught up with other people and other people influenced him into doing like certain, you know, drugs and stuff like that. But he, um, I don't know what he's doing now, but the whole point was he destroyed the trust. Like he, he got, you know, he destroyed everything that was worth trusting him over. And then eventually we all became sickening over it. And we're like, Hey, we can't trust him. I wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him. And he wasn't that, he wasn't that skinny of a person. I couldn't throw him that far. And I'm like, you know, it's time to go, man. Like it's time to move on and go to better, bigger and better things. Cause you can't have those negative people around you anymore. Um, you know, it's, th- those people are going to weigh you down. So I'm like, screw that. Um, the other one that I wanted to, to give you is that was just one example of uh, that type. Now the, the other ones are like the close ones where it's like, um, it's like uh, family right? Families, uh, family's a little bit easier not to families. Well, I want to say like, it is kind of easy not to destroy. And it, it also is sometimes a little bit, sometimes it's a little easy in a sense to kind of destroy it only for the fact that like, you're so close to your family that like, you're like, Oh, they'll just accept me for anything kind of thing. And like, you end up, you end up doing stupid stuff. And then like later on it gets brought up in certain places and you're like, damn, yo, they're exposing me to the whole dinner table. Right. Um, but, uh, if, if you could do something that was stupid, 
you probably would more likely 90% chance your family would accept and move on past it. Well, they probably wouldn't move past it, but like you're still going to hear about it at the dinner table, but they're going to, they're going to be like, all right, like it was stupid. And we understand like, you, you know, you took responsibility for it and we love you no matter what, cause we're family, we're blood related and we're family. Right. So, but if you did it with a friend that you weren't too close with, they'd probably be like, you know, it's like a 50, 50 chance. Like they're still going to accept you as a friend. Cause like you're not as close to them as like your family. So you got it. Like that's, that's where trust comes into play. But the big thing I, I, I realized with like family and trust is like, as long as you, as long as you put in work, cause I think some people don't put in work cause they just assume like, Oh, it's my family. Like they'll trust me or they'll, they'll just go with me no matter what. And like 90% of the time it doesn't work like that. You gotta, you gotta still put in the work with the trust. You gotta still put in the work with calling them. You gotta still, which I'm telling you, I struggle with a lot because I'm just so busy and I, and my problem is like, I don't have like, cause it's not going to be a five minute conversation. It's going to be a 20, 25 minute conversation most likely just cause like you want to catch up with them. Right. Uh, you call like your grand grandma or grandpa, or you call like your sister or your, um, your sibling or whatever, or like a cousin. And it ends up turning into an hour conversation or an hour and a half conversation. Cause you're catching up because you miss so much time. Like with my sister, whenever I call her and I talk to her, uh, it's like a thir- it's at least a 35 to 40 minute conversation because normally I don't, I don't talk to her for long periods of time uh, where it's like a month or like two months. And then I'm trying, we're all like talking about catching up within those two months, I'm trying to catch up with all that time gap. Um, but uh, the, the point is like, you want to, you want to work on those relationships. Most people I think just assume like, Oh, it's my family. I don't have to call them all the time. Um, there's this one girl in my, uh, at my work and we were talking, like, it was just funny because she was talking about, uh, you know, I haven't talked to my mom in, in, a, in a month or something like that. And everyone looks at her and they go, you got to fix that. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, fix that. Because like, because we all talk like your mom, like my mom, I talk to almost every single day. And obviously I still live with her. But even if I didn't live with her, she and like, by the way, I, even though I still live with her, she still calls me almost every single day. Okay. Um literally every single day I get off of work. I get a phone call from her. Okay. So that's how, that's how close I am with my mom. All right. Or, and I, my biggest rule is family is always family's number one. All right. You can, you can make a, you can make more friends, but you can't make more family in the sense of like blood family. Now I can create more family, but that's because I have a different mindset than probably most of the people that are coming on here. Like I do create more, uh, I do, 110% create more family members. All right. And that, and that's me being completely honest with you. Like, um, I had, uh, I had, um, Eric, right. Eric's been my friend for the last damn, like, I think like 12 years. It's probably, it's probably close to 14 years. I've been friends with, uh, my, my friend, Eric, I don't consider Eric a friend anymore. I consider Eric family, right. Um, I'm, um, Jimmy Costa, like all them, I consider them family because like they've, they've never once backstabbed me and, and like they've, they've, they've done a lot for me. Like my, like ever since I met Costa, Costa's Costa does a lot for me. 110%. Jimmy's done like almost Jimmy is like by far, like the guy that's done a lot for me. So I consider those people family. Um, Stella, I consider family. I've known Stella for a long time. And these are all people that are kind of related, like Jimmy, Costa, Jonathan, Stella. It's a Greek family, so they have massive amounts of uh, people in their family and siblings. But uh, all these people I consider family just for the, the, the reason that they treat me like family. 
right? They tr- they treat me like I'm I'm one of their own. And I don't mean that in like I don't mean that in like a cultural difference. I don't mean that in like uh, a race difference. I mean like they treat me like family. So I view them as family. And I tell them all the time, I'm like, I don't I don't you guys aren't my friends, you guys are my family. We're just we're just one family. Right? So you can create more family, but it takes a lot of work. Like I, I'm telling you, I've 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 known those people for a long time. Um, I've I've known Jonathan for a little while. Like Jonathan's the only one that I think I haven't really um, because he's constantly busy. And but uh, Costa I've known for a while. Jimmy I've known way longer. Jimmy and Stella I've known way longer because they they were the people that I I first worked with at my first ever real job. So I've known them. I've known them for probably ten. It's got to be close to ten years now. Ten nine years. Ten to nine years. That's a long time to to keep up and hang out with them. They'll hit me up whenever they're in town, uh, Jimmy and Costa, and they'll just be like, "Hey man, this is what we're doing. Like, like get in the car and let's go." Right? Um, I yeah, you know, I'm just saying, man. But but that's 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 what I'm trying to do with like this like this stuff, the goals and updates and everything is I'm trying not to make more friends. I'm trying to make more family. I have I have a friend Ashma, who I I think is still watching. I consider Ashma family just because of all this stuff that that I've gone with with Ashma and I've, and I've helped her throughout her life. And, uh, and, and she's helped me out too. Like, cause I, you know, I talked to her about certain things that I'm going through and, um, never once, never once did anything. you know, we'd never once did anything against each other where it was like, it, it broke the trust. Right. And she'll come down here from Gainesville every once in a while. Like she's coming down here next, next week and we're going to hang out. Right. And like, she hits me up when she's in town. All right, so that just means that she trusts me enough to hit me up whenever she's in town to get together and uh, and and basically hang out and catch up. So, I like I said, I, I don't have friends; I have family. But you can't trust. And oh, that's the other thing I wanted to get to real quick. So you can't just trust anyone. Now, you know, in your belief system, this might hit you in a certain way, but I'm going to explain what I mean by that. When I mean like you just can't trust anybody, you can't just go up to some random stranger and be like, hey, I trust, you know, and just build trust with them that way. You got to you gotta do something where it's building a long-term kind of connection where um, you're doing something for them, they're doing something for you and vice versa. I mean, it's probably not going to be even. This is something that I debated back when I was really young and I was like, you know, it has to be even. Like in a relationship, it has to be 50-50 with uh, communication. It has to be 50-50 with, um, with like uh, activities that you guys are doing together. It has to be 50-50 on like a page. And like I was kind of partially right. I don't, I don't really think it's in a relationship in a sense, like because we're talking about trust and like it's just kind of like moving into the relationship area. Um, I still do believe in like a 50 50 mindset in a way, but not, not what I kind of did before. Like when I said like 50 50, I meant like everything had to be split equally and that's not going to happen. Right. Like, um, depending on like your viewpoint on like, um, you know, depending on your viewpoint on life and like how a marriage should work, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the wife is better at cleaning and cooking and stuff like that. Right. Maybe she is. And if she is and she likes doing it, let her do that, right? 
And then if the man is good at just providing and taking care of the kids and the family, let him do that, right? Instead of trying to make it 50-50, like, oh, you're going you're gonna to cook half, I'm going to cook half. You're going to sell half, I'm going to sell half. Why wouldn't you put people in their strengths rather than the weakness, right? Um, or it could be vice versa. Maybe the woman is better at selling than the man. And that way the woman can go out and, and produce uh, the capital and the money. And maybe, and maybe the husband's better at cooking and cleaning. You know, there's plenty of people that do that. Um, the, the thing that I came to a conclusion was you have to take the strengths and you have to take the weaknesses and you have to talk within each other and be like, all right, these are my weaknesses. Here are your weaknesses. Here are my strengths. Here are your strengths. And you have to work together as a team and figure that out. And then you put each other in their strengths rather than trying to force each other to get on the same page with weaknesses and strengths and be like, oh, we're going to split up this. That's what you should be doing, right? And I can tell you this works because my grandparents have been married for, um, I'm probably going to yell at if I get this wrong. I'm pretty sure it's, I, I don't want to say 65, even though I kind of feel like it's 65. I think it's, an, I think it's 66 or 7, right? They've been together for that, that long, all right? And the reason that I came to the conclusion, and they argue still, I mean, like, you know, like an old married couple, they argue. But the thing that I came to the conclusion was my grandfather is a very, very skilled handyman. Okay. And it's, and it's going the exact same route that I was just telling you about with the strengths and the weaknesses. My grandma is an excellent baker, cook, clean. Like she's, she's, she's an excellent cleaner, cook, bake, baker, anything to do with food. Like she's really good at, um, and my grandfather was always good at being the handyman, fixing things around the house. Oh, this doorknob's messed up. I'm going to, you know, let me go get the screwdriver and fix this doorknob. Oh, um, the electricity's out. Let me go and work at the brokers, the brokers for the electricity unit. And so what I figured out was they were, they were good at figuring out their weaknesses and their strengths, right? They argued. I mean, everyone's going to argue. Don't get me wrong. Everyone's going to have their differences of opinion. Everyone's not going to agree on everything 110%. Um, I think the problem with society now is just because of, um, and this is an issue that, you know, if you're political, you're probably going to disagree with me and it's fine. But the, I think the argument really comes down to is that um, if, if, you, if you say that a woman is good at cooking, cleaning, um, in the sense of like, that's what they like to do, you're considered like a, like a sexist pig, Right. And I think that's where we're wrong. Because if that's what they like doing and that's what they're really skilled at doing, let them do that. But if, it, if, it, if it's vice versa, this is where like you might agree with me. If it's vice versa, right, where the, where the guy is better at cleaning and cooking and, and doing all like the, the things that you would generally classify as more like feminine, whatever, um, then that's fine too. But the difference is what they don't talk about is you have to find the weaknesses and the strengths, and then you got to come together and, and build on your strengths together, not your weaknesses. That's the key. Um, but yeah, so so that I, I'm telling you, that's the key. That's what I've witnessed out of uh, my grandparents being together, and like it's very very rare to see that. Um, I don't I don't meet a lot of people where they they've uh, been married for like 65, 67 years. Okay. Um. Uh, it's crazy. I can't even imagine being married for 67 years. Okay. It, it does. It's, it's crazy. Um, 
But anyways, so that is what is trust. Now, uh, I'm going to do done deal investments and then I'm going to wrap it up because it's going on nine. I'm trying to hit the gym. I'm trying to stay loyal to the gym, yo. I'm trying really hard. I'm just trying to stay good to the diet. Um, and I'm trying, you know, I'm trying my best to keep everything on track and just, you know, it's not going to be perfect every single time. Like today was kind of late, uh, because I had to re, I got to, I had to rebuild all the, the equipment up in the room again. Cause I went to Fabrizio's house and everything was in the trunk of my car. So I had to rebuild everything. And then, uh, I had to, I had to like do other things on top of that, like eat quickly, like, go, you know, get ready and stuff. So now I got to go to the gym. And I come home, I got to do some budgeting because I, what I do with my paychecks is I get paid. I got paid uh, uh, Friday. So now I'm going to pay all the bills and whatever I have left, I'm going to decide on what to do with the rest, right? I'm going to pay all the bills, pay myself. And then with the leftover money, I'm going to be like, all right, I have this amount of money. What can I do with it? Should I pay some debts down with this money and try to like save some money on interest or should I go? Cause I, I want to go see, I saw the movie us, which I said in the 66 episode, but I promised my friend I'd go with him on Friday. I just couldn't wait. And I went, but it's one of those movies where you can see it again. So I'm thinking about going with him on Friday again. And I'm like, all right, like that, you know, it's like about like 12 bucks right there. So I'm like, all right, I have a little bit of money so I can go on this movie again. But it's like I said, it's one of those movies where, um, you watch it the first time and you're like, I kind of like, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pick up on everything. You're kind of confused a little bit, but you kind of understand what's going on. And then it's, and then you watch it again and like, you're like, Oh yeah, now it all makes sense. Now I see where this happened and this happened and that happened. So it's one of those movies. But, um, so I'm like, you know, I'll go with you again. It was, it was a great movie. I, I, I liked it. I like, uh, I like horror where it's got a lot of, um, plot twists in it where you hit the end of the movie and they, and they psych you out and you're like, Oh man, I didn't see that coming. That's why I like horror movies because it's so it's it's so creative. Um, but anyways, so I'm gonna pitch you on done deal investments real quick, and then uh, uh, I'm gonna do another goals and updates by the way this week because even though I did one Monday and, and today, I'm I think I got one more to make up for last week where I skipped out, so I gotta make up for that one. So that one's probably gonna be I might try to do it tomorrow, just because the weekend's gonna be kind of crazy. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do it. And Friday, I normally, I normally go out with drinks with my mom. And then I'm like, I'm too, like, I'm too tired or I'm too like, you know, I, I drank. So I'm like, eh. <laughs> I get kind of sleepy after I drink wine. So anyways, um, so done deal investments. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name's Tyler Dunn. I own a company right here called done deal investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Now, what this business is designed to do is it's designed to take a distressed seller, someone that can't financially keep up with their property, and take an investor, someone that has the capital and wants to make some money on the on the MLS system, uh, the actual market, and it takes them and puts them into a deal together. Now, who can benefit from this? Anyone that can't keep their house afloat, right? Or anyone that wants, maybe you, maybe you don't, you even have money, right? But you have to you have to sell your house extremely fast. So for instance, like a job transfer, it doesn't mean you financially can't keep your house afloat, but you have to move out of the house within a week. And sometimes it's really tricky with the with the realtor because they have to put your house on the market. They have to then um, you know wait for people to kind of you know pick up on the on the the actual um, ad, right? So it's like and sometimes it takes like two to three weeks. Maybe you don't have that kind of time to wait for realtor, right? Maybe you just want to sell it really fast. That's where I come into place. 
I go and get an investor. I just put them onto the deal. We sign it on, on a contract after I negotiate the deal with you. And then from there, it, it's, it's, you move on. <laughs> we give you cash, you move on and you go and you go wherever you're going for the job transfer. Now this also works for pre, uh, pre foreclosure, which is where um, maybe you're behind on mortgage payments and the bank's about to seize the property back over. And that will financially crush you because your credit's tied in with the mortgage. So that's going to financially kill you. First of all, you're going to lose all the money on the house, right? All that time paying that mortgage and all that, all that time and money that you invested into the house and you're going to lose all that money. On top of it, you're going to destroy your credit. And credit is the hardest thing to get back because it takes time. Like it's not something you could just, you know, snap your fingers and fix it with money. It takes time. Like it takes a lot of time to fix like something like that. When you lose something to, um, you, you basically can't pay for it anymore. Kills it. So I can help you with pre-foreclosures. I can help you with liens on your properties. Now all liens are is uh, city find you, you know, let's say you had overgrown grass or you have like a black pool or um, like mold in the pool or um, your roof's extremely dirty and they cite you for that because you're, you know, let's say for instance, Coral Springs where I live, they'll cite you for things like that and they'll try to make money off of um, the lien for the city, like you pay the city. But what happens is if you don't pay that lien within like, you know, you don't work with them to pay that lien, over time it keeps stacking up like interest. It just stacks up over time. And then like some people can't afford it because some people can't afford $500 uh, right up front. And then what happens is over time it, it goes to like two or $3,000. Now they really can't afford it. Um, what I can do is get you out of that financial situation. They're just buying your house for cash. And then um, from there you can just go get it. You go and, and take the money and go somewhere else and just buy, you know, buy another property or like go and rent or whatever you want to do. It's up to you. It's your money. Now, um, the other thing is like if you inherited a house, this is kind of, this isn't the most common way um, to do it because like not a lot of people inherit a lot of the houses. Um, but if you do, sometimes you don't know what to do with it. You're like, all right, like I probably have to sell it. Like I already have a house. I, I don't want to live here. I have to sell it. And again, you're like, I don't want to go through a realtor and I don't want to pay commission. I don't pay high commission fees. Uh, you can, and sometimes with um, inherited houses, you don't even, um, sometimes it's like messy and they're like, sometimes they don't take care of the house. So it's, it's a lot of work to like sink your own money into the house and fix things and then try to sell it for full market value. It's, it's really hard. It's not easy. It costs you a lot of money. It's a pain in the butt. Um, we'll buy it as is completely as is. So if like you have a lot of damage on your house, it's what we kind of prefer. A lot of damage in your house, broken windows, uh, the roof's falling apart. Um, you know, anything, like anything, the house, like your grand, your grandma or grandpa was a hoarder and like there's stuff everywhere. Um, and the house is com and completely filled with random stuff and you don't want to clean that up or pay for that. We'll, we'll do that for you. Um, those are just some examples, but really it, it works with anything. Any, any a divorce, right? Divorce is a big one. Like I think now it's, it was like 48% um, chance that people are getting divorced now. Um, and sometimes you don't want to go through the lengthy process of selling it through a realtor. You want to sell it as quickly as possible and get rid of all the memories and like little, little things that like every single time you step into the house, it makes you think about that person. This is a great way to just do it fast and not, and not really pay, um, not pay commission on it or high commission. Now, 
Um, all right. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you, cause I told you, you know, how this would work for certain people and like what people it would actually work for. I'm going to go into the, the three step process that I call the financial, the three steps to financial freedom. First step is you have to call us. All right. You have to call done deal investments. Best way to do it is phone number. Now all the information is on Facebook is in the description, everything. Um, all the social medias were on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, my phone number is there. My personal phone number is there. Um, our website, www.dundealinvestment.com. Uh, what else? Uh, I think I'm pretty sure that's, oh, email. You can go through email, which is uh, dundealinvestments at outlook.com. All right. And you can text me any way, any way you feel comfortable reaching out to me, just reach out to me. Um, it, that's the first step because if I don't know that you need help or someone that you know needs help, I can't help them, right? I can't, I can't help someone I don't know that needs help. So all, the, all I'm going to do is once you reach out to me, we're just going to go, go over some very, very basic questions. The first, cu- the first thing is going to be questions on um, like what kind of financial situation do you have to get out of? Like, what, like why do you want to sell this property now? So once I figure that out, I can get a better solution of how to help you, right? And then from there, I'm going to ask you about the condition of your property just to give me an idea. Now, step two is going to be, I'm going to set up a schedule with you or schedule an appointment with you to go to your property to take five pictures inside the house and five pictures outside the house. And then um, I'm going to bring in a sheet with me that's going to be like, all right, like you have a broken window, you have roof damage, you have mold, and I'm just going to tally up all this stuff, which is going to give me a rough estimate of how much money it's going to take for an investor to invest into this property. And then from there, oh, and by the way, the reason I'm taking five inside and five outside pictures is so when I go and find you an investor to put on this deal, um, you're not getting all these people showing up to your house to look at your property, right? Because that, that would be a pain. Cause you're probably taking off work anyways to meet up with me, um, to, to, to let me take the pictures and go through the estimate and talk to you. Right. So you're not going to want a hundred, 200 people looking at your property. Right. So that's what that's going to do. I'm going to just be able to email them or send them pictures of the property and they can look at it from pictures. Right. And then, and then I can just give them the estimate on how much it's going to cost them. So we don't have to go and and do all this extra stuff. Now, the, the next step, which is step three, is now I got to go home. I got to run comps of your neighborhood. This is, what, this is how we're going to get your price, your average price. We're going to do what we call running comps. We're going to go in. We're going to take three houses that are the closest to yours that have sold in your neighborhood in the last three to five months, let's say. And um, we're, that's how we're going to get the average price. We're going to estimate those together, and that's where you get the average price. All we're going to do from there is deduct all the expenses that the investor has to make, and that's where we're going to get the price that we're going to negotiate with you. Um, and what's going to happen is then you know I'll, I'll give you a call, and we'll talk about the price and, and the policies and terms that you need. Like if you need to stay there for another three weeks um, to go and find another property, if you need contacts, I have contacts, or if you need a realtor, I know a lot of realtors. There's, there's, there's tons of realtors out there. I know some of the best people out there to, to help you out. Um, I have home inspectors. I have, I have anything that you need to get to that next step into buying another home or even to like rent or whatever you need. All right. To get to that next property, um, where you're going to live at now the, um, so yeah, so then we're going to negotiate on the price. Once we come to an agreement to the terms and the price, we're going to go under contract and then I'm going to get the investor to get onto the contract. We're all going to sign. 
onto the contract. And then that's when you were going to pay you the cash that we agreed on. We're then going to, um, the investor is obviously going to be happy because he's going to take ownership of the property and he's going to invest some of his money into the property. And then done deal investments is going to make a finder's fee or commission what we call it a finder's fee because I put the deal together and the investor is going to pay us, which is the coolest part. You're not even going to pay us anything. The investor is going to pay us the commission from there. What's going to happen is obviously you're going to walk away um, from the property and being able to basically go and get something else that you can afford. And all three parties win on this deal on, on these deals. Now, what you have to keep in mind is there has to be room in your equity for this to work. If there's not any room in the equity, then it then it doesn't work. All the equity means is just the the money that your house is basically sitting on, or how much money um, your house is worth compared to how much money you owe on the property, right? So that's all equity is. That's how that's how we're that's how we're creating money and stuff like that is through the equity. Now, um, I'm trying to think of what else I wanted to tell you, but my goal is I'm coming up to the last month. Uh, probably a little less than last month in my accounting class. And I decided what I'm going to do is I'm not going to do the, the real estate course first. I'm going to go and do the home inspection first, the uh, online course. So once I get licensed, I can, I can tell you guys about that. And I'm going to start doing some free home inspections. So once I get the license and I get the equipment and I get everything I need to do to do home inspections, I'm going to start doing free home inspections. So even if you don't, and that's going to be added on to Dundeal Investments, by the way. So you still would contact Dundeal Investments for that. Um, and if you're interested in having a free home inspection, you can still hit me up and I'll just put you on a, I'll put you on a, um, a waiting list. And then once I get qualified, I'll give you a ring or I'll give you a call and, or reach out to you in somewhere and whatever you recommend reaching out to. And um, I'll start doing your home inspection for free. All right. Um, so that, that's what I'm going to start doing, right? Is I'm going to start doing some free home inspections to build some stuff. And all I'm going to ask in return is not, I don't, I don't want money. I just want reviews. All right. So for instance, like on Facebook, I'm going to ask you to go on Facebook and just write me a, a, a little review, just explaining like what I did, you know, like how the experience was of me showing up and doing the inspection for you. Um, and that's, and that's all I'm going to ask for. It's just for you to do a simple review for me. All right. Now, um, from there, because um, I want to add other stuff to Dundeal Investments. I'm just going to give you the, the gist of like what's going to go on with Dundeal Investments just because I know some people don't know what Dundeal Investments is. I've had my mom tell me a hundred times, like people are asking what is Dundeal Investments LLC. Um, what it is, is it's going to help anyone. It's going to help people um, have more resources in one location for real estate. So if you need home inspections, Dundeal Investments is the place to go to. If you need a realtor to help you go find a home within your budget or you know anything related to a realtor, Dundeal Investments LLC is your, is your niche to go to. If you need financing for a mortgage, Dundeal Investments is your niche to go to. If you need to sell your home fast because you're, you're a distressed seller and you, and you can't financially uh, keep yourself afloat and you, and you have nowhere else to go, Dundeal Investments is your Dundeal Investments LLC is your niche and place to go, right? So I'm trying to build it where everything's in one place for you. You don't have to go to five thousand other different places to go find the best deals. 
the best deals will be in done deal investments LLC. That's what it's trying to do. It's trying to help the little guy um, or anyone really. It doesn't even have to be a, a little person. Uh, what I mean by little guy is someone that is it can't you can't you don't have the time and you don't have the money to go and do everything right uh so you know like warranties like i didn't even think about that like i could even probably try to do like some type of warranty um thing on here too where if you want to protect some appliances in your home we could do some warranty sales uh you know like that that's the craziest part is once i start talking about certain things ideas hit me where i'm like yeah i could definitely i could definitely add that right so the whole point is like expansion and I'm trying to expand it so it's it's all real estate. That's why you see the house, right? Because it's it's all it's gonna be a real estate business. That's the niche is real estate. Um, so you know, I'm constantly thinking about different things I can do. It's all time based. So like I said, I gotta go get licensed in in home inspections. I gotta get licensed in certain things before I can even do some of this stuff. That's why it's taking me uh you know time to be like, hey, like you gotta wait until I do this. Because I have to be licensed in order to do some of this stuff. I have to know the codes. I have to be up to date on codes. So that's where that um, um, home inspection course comes into play. It's going to help me with the codes, like up to date on Florida codes. It's going to help me um, be safe when I go and do these inspections because you are testing outlets with electricity. You are going on the roofs sometimes uh, to check to see the condition of the, the tiles and, and the roof, if there's any damage up there. Um, you're, you're going in attics and stuff like that. So it, it is safe. You got to have safety rules and bounds or boundaries and stuff like that. So, um, but uh, the, the whole point is I'm going to start doing some free inspections for you guys. So once that becomes, you know, when I can I physically do that, I have the equipment, I'm licensed, I'm certified, I have everything going and I, I can add that onto the business. Um, I'll, you know, I'll start promoting it more. But you guys can hit me up now and I can I can get you on like a pre-register list if you want a free home inspections. Now, you're probably asking yourself, why would I want a free home inspection? Home inspections are very crucial um, because what it's going to show you is everything that's basically up to code and up to date on your home. And it's going to show you what's wrong and what you probably should be fixing that's important. Um, so that's very important because when you go to sell your home, you want things to be up to date in code and you want to get full market value for your home when you're fully trying to sell it. Right? So you have to, you have to understand that it's, it's really important to get a home inspection done on your property. But like I said, and, and I don't, I don't obviously, I don't know. Cause like I haven't really dug too deep into that niche yet. Um, I don't know how much a home inspection goes for. I, if I had to guess, maybe 150, 200. So I mean, you're saving yourself 150 to 200 dollars, and you're saving even more money because you know exactly what's wrong with your property and what you should be investing your money back into in your property. And sometimes people just buy random stuff to invest in their property, and maybe they really didn't need that. Maybe it wasn't so important, right? But sometimes you can't tell. That's why you have to get the home inspector. Like you can't tell if there's mold growing into your um, you know, your, your, uh, your rugs or, um, behind your walls in between the walls and stuff. And if you had a leak, you wouldn't really know until you, you know, you started feeling sick or you started seeing mold grow through the wall. And by that time it's like too late. Now you got to go pay like 500 extra dollars to go clean up that mold. Right. And it's a pain to get rid of mold. It's not easy to get rid of it because it spreads. Um, so that, that's, that's the whole reason behind that. But anyways, I'm going to wrap this one up. This has been episode 67 of Goals and Updates. My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. 
Have a great rest of your uh, your week. I might we might do another episode sixty eight of goals and updates tomorrow. I'll let you guys know. You'll see me. Um, and yeah, hit me up for a free uh, to be put on the list for a free inspection. Or if you know anyone that has a a, a distressed property where they financially can't keep up with it, have them reach out to Dundee Investments. Peace.